0: Fearscape, a paranormal podcast, part of the Fearscape Media Network. Prepare to be spooked. (laughs) New episodes every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms. Find out more at fearscapepodcast.com.
1: just having a moment, looking at photos of my dear grandmother, Henrietta, before she died. God rest her soul. She used to play this music to me, and we would dance around the living room together, laughing and having fun. Such happy times. She and I were so close. I remember her saying, Deborah, when I die, I want you with me, holding my hand, sitting on my lap. Well, that was before she went to prison and eventually got the chair, so there's no way that was happening. On to the first story. I wonder, have you ever gone to a psychic before?
2: The little neon sign in the window says psychic, but I'm not really psychic. Psychometric would be the appropriate term. But that doesn't make for a great sign, does it? Whatever the word, I've had this ability since I was a little girl. When I touch other people's objects and concentrate, I feel part of them. It could be anything. An emotion, a sense, like a certain smell or touch, or a flash of a visual in my mind's eye. I've been working for 10 years now in a dingy little office above a pizza parlor. From the inside, you wouldn't have a clue what i do. My office always smells like garlic, and I don't keep any of the usual trappings. No crystal balls, no tarot decks, no mysterious symbols or pentagrams. So yeah, business is slow. But this afternoon, someone dropped in. He wasn't the usual clientele, a guy, only a bit past teenagerhood, wearing a Lakers t-shirt. Usually my clients are about 30 years older and female. Oh, sorry, I must be in the wrong place, he said as soon as he walked in. No, this is right, I'm the psychic, he sniffed. Is that for vampires or something? It's from downstairs. Oh. What can I help you with? Well, Mrs. uh, He glanced at the name card on my desk. Miss Greenberg, my mom has been missing for three days. The police have been looking, but they haven't been able to find anything. She and my dad went up to a cabin in the Catskills for our second honeymoon. My dad said... She took a walk in the morning, and she never came back. I'm so sorry. He forced a smile. Thanks. So, uh, I was wondering if you could help me. Sure, I'll try my best. Do you have anything of hers with you? He frowned. What do you mean? I work best when I can touch objects that belong to the person in question. It's psychometry, I added, though. The look on his face told me he had no idea what that meant. Oh, no, sorry, I don't. Oh, wait, yeah, I do. He reached into his pocket and pulled out a Swiss Army knife. He rather recklessly slid it across the table, and I watched it skitter towards me with apprehension. This knife? Yeah, it was my grandpa's, and then hers, and then mine. I keep it with me always. I frowned. The less people who owned an object, the better. Otherwise, the signals got all messed up, and it was hard to pick out who was whom. Uh, okay, so your grandpa had it first? No, no, this is a family heirloom, First it was my great-great-grandpas, then my great-great-grandma, and then I'm like, okay, uh, (laughs) I'll give it a shot, but I can't promise anything. I close my eyes and lay my hands on the knife. As soon as my fingers touched the metal, a thousand sensations assaulted me steel forged in a blazing fire, candlelight against the darkness, the scratch of a quill against parchment, a woman's blue eyes, snow falling to the ground. I concentrated, weaving through the sensations, trying to pick out the one that I needed. And then I saw her, or rather I was her. The smell of lavender filled my nose, I was standing in a humble kitchen, using the scissors of the knife to cut a loose thread off my shirt. My hands were small and nimble. Black curls fell down my shoulders, bouncing in my peripheral vision. "'That's your mom,' I said, my eyes still closed. "'The one who smells like lavender with the curly black hair.' "'Wow, yeah!' Well, her hair is gray now, but yeah. My mind probed into the sensation. But there was nothing I could learn. Just more scenes of her in her home. I did see a little boy run past who looked like a miniature version of the man before me, and that made me smile. I'm sorry. There's nothing more I can learn from this object. I passed it back to him. Do you have anything else? No. He hesitated. Well, I do have a photo she sent me. It's the last photo before she... He trailed off. I mean, it's not an object, but I was going to show it to you. I showed it to the police, too. I thought maybe they'd see something. I didn't. Hmm. Photos, like all digital objects, were tricky. Occasionally, I could pull a sensation from them, I and mean, it wasn't impossible. People were imbuing a part of themselves in the texts, art, and stories they created on a computer, just like they've been doing to physical objects since the dawn of time. But technology itself disrupted the senses. All the radiation, the processors, the chips... It all grew to a mechanical roar in my head that I couldn't block out. Here, he handed me his phone. I think you need to print it out, dear. What? Well, I I can't just touch a phone. It's too much noise, I pointed. My office printer is right over there. Ten minutes later, the soggy photo was laying on the table in front of me. Before I touched it, I just looked. An older woman with curly hair and kind eyes was standing on the porch of a quaint little cabin. Next to her stood her husband, a stocky, bearded man. Both were smiling, his hand tucked behind her waist. The forest, green and alive, extended for miles behind them. I slowly lifted my hands. And press them into the photo. I first felt the tree swaying in the wind. The tree that the paper came from. Then the drops of ink themselves, like chemicals mixed in churning smelly vats. I blocked that out, focusing past that, past the details, onto the picture on the page. The shapes and lines that drew the woman and her husband. And then I felt everything. I smelled the dirt of the forest, the pine wood of the cabin, heard the birds twittering, the trees, the soft breeze in my hair, felt the sun shining through my eyelids. But I felt fear horrible, paralyzing fear, the worst fear that I'd ever felt in my entire life because I felt something else, cold, hard metal poking into my back, a gun. I jerked my hands away, instantly. The sensations fell away. I was back in the chair, back in the office. My heart pounded in my chest. And I stared at him, feeling dizzy. Are you okay? That child? That poor, sweet child? I am, I said, catching my breath. But I'm... So, so sorry, I, I'm i not sure your mom is.
0: Welcome to the trailer for What The Suck Podcast. Do you like movies? Do you like horror movies? You know, movies like Exorcist 2 and The Bye Bye Man. Well, those of you still with us are just the weirdos we want. We watch all the terrible, no good, so bad they are bad movies you never knew existed. Have you seen Wish Upon? I Am Zozo? Creep Show 3, perhaps? you haven't well lucky for you we have and we're here to tell you all about them because we believe that no matter how bad a movie is it should be watched someone put at least some effort into these and bad movies deserve love too and boy, do we love watching them. So please join us, your host, Chris and James, on What The Suck Podcast for a weekly discussion of all things bad, good, good, bad, 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 so bad they are good, so good they are bad, so bad they are bad, and Gary Busey. <laughs> That's every... my best Busey. <laughs> Found... I don't know if that works. But... So, it works for me. Found everywhere podcasts can be listened to.
3: This is a true story none of what i'm about to tell you is made up in any way i usually never talk about this but here we go when i was around 14 and lived with my mom we ended up moving in my grandparents house it was really nice there and my grandpa had built the back end of the house the house had a warm feeling in the beginning My grandpa had recently passed away in the house. So we lived there to help support my grandma who was getting old. I believe she was around 90 at that point. She died shortly after us moving in, maybe a few months later. Nothing eventful really happened in the house in the beginning. I used to sleep in a pantry that you had to climb a ladder to go in and out of. The room dimensions are a little bigger than a queen-size mattress. So there wasn't really anything other than the latter at night to be scared of. My brother slept on the porch. Our porch has doors and walls, so it was decent, but it got really cold. When winter came around, my mom moved my brother into the pantry and I took the sewing room, which was an attic. It wasn't that far from the bottom floor only around 15 pretty steep steps. At first, I was extremely excited to have my own room. It was pretty big, had five windows, excessive for an attic room, and had an actual bed instead of a blow-up mattress. The only downside was that my room was the furthest away from everyone else's rooms. It got pretty dark in there at night, so I ended up hanging some LED fairy lights. I was, and still am, scared of the pitch black darkness. To this day, I still have fairy lights in my new house. Anyway, I've always been interested in paranormal things like ghosts and demons and whatnot. So one day, I went on YouTube and looked up how to summon a demon. Stupid, I know. I was young at the time, and I didn't know about how dangerous stuff like that could be. I just thought it would be pretty cool to be able to do so. I tried to look for this video, and I couldn't find it. Maybe because it's a 2010 video, but I just couldn't find it. Anyway, the video started with some eerie slow music. It was something that chilled me to my core, but I kept watching. Something about that video drew me in. When they started talking, they sounded like they had deepened their voice with a voice changer. The person instructed me to close my eyes and that it was important to keep them closed. They said to clear my mind and to visualize it standing in the corner of the room. Imagine what it looks like. So I did. The only thing I can think of was a tall black figure with a hat, kind of like a top hat. I was surprised at how vividly I saw it. It was standing in the corner of my room and at the top of the stairs, looking at me in my mind. I ended up getting too freaked out and opened my eyes while the video was playing, then stopped the video. It seemed way too real to me. I called it The Tall Man. A few days after watching that video, I decided to try a homemade Ouija board by myself. The Ouija board was just a piece of paper with marker writing on it. The planchette was also made of paper. Obviously, when I used it, nothing happened. I decided to crumble up the paper and then threw it behind my desk. A few days later, I was looking for it, but it was gone. I figured maybe my mom took it. But, if she had, she would have said something about it because she hated Ouija boards and stuff of the like. For a long time, nothing happened. No tall man, no eerie feelings. Then, one day, I woke up with bruises on my legs that had definitely not been there before I went to sleep. I put it off, assuming I was just being clumsy as I usually am. Well. I kept waking up with bruises, usually every other night. They were almost always on the lower half of my legs. They were huge, and I definitely didn't run into that many things. I started getting worried, so I wouldn't leave my room at night, and I'd try not to keep the door to the stairs open. After a while, I stopped getting bruises. I don't know why they stopped so suddenly. but. They did. It was about two years before anything else happened. It was like everything vanished. Then, one night, I heard a dragging sound in the tool shop right below my room. The tool shop was just an area to cut wood and get tools, nails and whatnot. The sound was like someone took a chair and dragged it around on two legs. This would happen repetitively for a while usually lasting throughout the night. There was nothing in there that would make that sound. No chair, no machines, nothing could make that same sound, and I doubt someone was just dragging a chair on the floor in the middle of the night. After a while of the noise at night, it progressed to walking up my stairs, slowly creeping and making my steps groan. The steps only made that noise when you walked on them and the house never settled to make a noise like that. It would be painfully slow, then stop at the very top of my stairs. It never went further. I'd say another few months passed of that stuff happening, the stairs and the chair noises together at night. I learned to live with it and never went to the bathroom at night unless I had to, and I usually ran. One night, I felt it more than I saw it. I knew it was there, standing in the corner of my room. I could feel its energy. It was terrifying. I made sure not to keep my eyes off of the corner. It never left or came any closer. I eventually felt my eyelids getting heavy and I fell asleep. I didn't see it every night, it was only occasionally that it would show up. I did feel it every night, though. I got a strong feeling that it lived in the shop under my room. The room was always pitch black at night and had a very bad energy in there. I never went in there at night. One night, a friend of mine came over. I didn't tell her about the tall man because I thought it wasn't important. I figured she wouldn't stay the night if she knew either. My friend, I'll call her V was falling asleep. I decided to make her some chamomile tea because I figured she'd enjoy it. So I went downstairs and made the tea. When I came back up, V was crying like crazy. I asked her if she was okay and if her boyfriend had broken up with her or something. That's how bad she was crying. When V calmed down, she told me that she heard footsteps walking up the stairs and thought it was me. V called out, asking if I was there, and she got no reply. She thought I was trying to scare her at first, but no one was responding to her. V told me that there was walking up the steps that was so slow, and every time she had called out, it would stop, then start again she asked me not to leave her alone up in my room again and i decided to sleep downstairs with her i was genuinely surprised that she heard it i didn't think she would experience it either but she had heard exactly what i had been hearing the crazy thing is i never even told her about it in the first place the same thing kept happening for a while V would come over, but never sleep in my room. She refused to do so, and would always sleep in the living room. One day, I decided to have a sleepover with six girls, and we all slept in the back room next to the shop and my room. I kept the door to both rooms closed at night, so they wouldn't get freaked out. A friend who was at the sleepover got a panic attack in the middle of the night. She ended up going home because she was just too homesick, but I have a feeling it made her feel that way. Another friend of mine, Emma, stayed the whole night with me and everyone else. When Emma woke up, she saw she had bruises on her lower leg. It was in the shape of big finger marks, like someone grabbed her leg extremely hard. Emma wasn't a clumsy person, and she knew there was nothing there when she went to sleep. So now, three of my friends were affected by this thing. Only girls saw or felt it, and my male friends never even felt any sense of bad energy. They never saw it either. My mom saw it. It took her a while, but she saw it and told me about it. I asked her what it looked like, and she said tall and dark. She said she felt like it was taunting her. I told her I'd been seeing it too. My mom got some sage and she never smudged the house, but she said she was letting the bad energy soak into the sage. I don't know why she thought it would work, but it didn't. I went to stay at Emma's house one day. It was a small trailer house, pretty long, but not wide. It was always a warming place. It was very homely. I was in a room by myself at night and suddenly I felt anxious. I felt like something was trying to push me down. And so I curled into a fetus position while sitting up. I started crying because while looking at the door, I swear I saw it. My friend came in and I cried harder, thinking it was coming closer. Emma asked me what I was crying about and I didn't say anything that made sense. A few years after that, I was couch surfing. I never really saw it again or felt it. I wasn't living in the house with my mom anymore. Apparently, my mom felt like it attached itself to her. I personally don't think that it was the tall man who got to her. Anyway, last year, I made a homemade Ouija board out of wood and paint with V and another friend. But I did most of the work. It took me around six hours of extremely hard graft. I didn't realize that the more energy I put into it, the more energy it had. We used it and I think it worked, but I don't really remember what it said. All I know is one day after school, I went to my room to grab my guitar and I heard talking. It was like a radio played for a second. I didn't have my phone in there with me and I didn't have a radio or anything that would be able to do that. My Roku was off as well as my PC. My mom said that it was probably the mattress springs, but I didn't believe that. The Ouija was on display in my room, sitting on my shelf so people could see it. I ended up taking it down and putting it in the drawer. Sometimes I get scared of the hallway leading to my room, but I don't know if it's a tall man or not. It's been a lot quieter recently, hopefully it's over.
4: When I was a child, I had a friend named Lucy. She was a neighbourhood girl who would come over to my grandmother's house, which was where I lived at the time. There was a park by my house that had a deep creek next to it. I couldn't swim, so we always had to have an adult with us when we were near the creek. Lucy was always a toxic friend, but I didn't know. She would always threaten to stop being friends with me, or stop talking to me if I didn't do what she wanted. She would always say that she deserved my toys and my family and friends more than I did. I didn't mind this as I had a hard time making friends and Lucy was one of my only friends. One night, Lucy came over and she said she was bored and wanted to go to the park. I told her my family was in the backyard and we have to have an adult with us to go, but she said she would leave and never come back if I didn't go to the park with her. I followed her and we went to the park. She walked right past the playground equipment to the creek, and I asked her what she was doing. She said she wanted to swim, and I told her I couldn't swim, and she called me a string of hurtful names, including weak, stupid, and an awful friend. This really hurt my five-year-old self, so I started crying. This made her even angrier, and she told me something I'll never forget. You're an awful child. Your family deserved me and not you. I was so confused and sad that I just ran home. I never saw her again, and I just thought she was so angry, she really never spoke to me again. Now, about a year ago, my family was talking about my many imaginary friends, and my mum said my friend Lucy really creeped her out, because she was supposed to have a daughter before me who they wanted to name Lucy. My mother had a miscarriage, and Lucy was never born.
3: Oh, I
1: used to have an imaginary friend once. Her name was Annie. I used to blame everything on her. No, Mommy, it wasn't me. It was Annie. Annie. No, mummy, I didn't burn a hole in the rug. It was Annie. No, Mother, I didn't steal the cigarette out of your purse. Annie did. (gasps) Oh, kids. On to the next story. And this one is about my favorite subject. (laughs) Pussycats. Meow. The
0: scariest thing that's happened to me was while spending the night at a girlfriend's place. When I was in ninth grade, I asked a girl about my age to the homecoming dance. In addition to being pretty and having a spunky personality, she was, unbeknownst to me at the time, very popular. Like, seriously. I realized throughout high school how she seemed to know almost everybody to some extent. Not that I was ever attracted to someone for that reason, as I'm an introvert by nature, but it surprised me. After a fun evening, people started leaving, and I walked with her away from the crowd. I know, this sounds uncomfortably similar to the part in several horror movies, where the ninth gentleman reveals himself as a psycho, and the girl is too far away for her screams to reach the loud, partying teenagers. Either that, or the girl reveals herself as some demonic succubus, and it's essentially the same scenario, in reverse. But I promise, this is nothing like that. After walking just a few yards outside the gym, we said nothing and just smiled at each other before sharing our first kiss. She most likely already knew what my intentions were the moment I started leading her away from our peers, as I definitely wasn't exactly smooth about it. Thankfully, it was awesome, and we went on to date for six months afterward. She was my first ever girlfriend, and we had some good times. She lived with her mom in a small house with a few cats, I forget their names or how many there were, maybe four total. One day, when we were a few months into our relationship, I was over visiting. I can't remember why, but my mom was very busy that night, and my girlfriend's mom agreed that I could sleep over. Obviously, there was no chance of us sharing a bed. I honestly wasn't ready for that yet anyway, despite how good the fantasy may have been. So they slept in their rooms, upstairs, while I made the couch bed in the living room. It was comfy enough, and I had no complaints overall. What happened next, though, ensured that I would never spend the night there again. It's usually not easy to sleep anywhere I'm unfamiliar with, except for hotels. I've strangely never had a problem with any of those. But I crashed out in a couple hours. At some point in the middle of the night, I felt something in bed with me. In my sleepy disorientation, my brain took a few seconds to process what was going on. During that moment, I awoke to the sight of these multiple pairs of bright, yellow eyes staring at me. My initial reaction was shock, but I couldn't scream. I was paralyzed with fear and confusion. As my blurry vision adjusted to the darkness, I could make out the figures of all the cats on the bed. In retrospect, I may have severely overreacted to what, under different circumstances, would have been adorable. I'd never feared cats before, and I can recall being friendly with them earlier that day. But something about this just felt different. Maybe it was their shadows, their lighter color fur, now all turned pitch black silhouettes under the cover of night. It's funny in a way when you think about it. Us human beings love to act like we're so evolved and civilized. But in the end, we're all still influenced by those primal survival instincts left over from our hunter-gatherer days. As much as we enjoy staying up late or scaring each other with stories and movies in the relative safety of our homes, the truth is that there's a very good reason we fear the darkness. It's our subconscious's way to remind us that we aren't made for it. It's never been our territory. We're not a nocturnal species like the various predators our ancestors regularly had to fight off with nothing but spears, torches, and moonlight all while often having no protection against the elements but furs, leaves, or loincloths. Regardless, I could have dealt with the dark if that had been all there was to it. What's really burned the memory of this night into my mind, however, is those eyes that looked to me as if they must have had flashlights shining from behind them. It didn't make sense to me for them to be so bright. I remember that living room clearly. There was no light anywhere. That should have been able to reflect or refract off of. The blinds were shut. There was no moon or street light coming in. It was pure black. Yet, somehow, those eyes burned bright as day, with those feline slit pupils that could be mistaken for a snake's. Whatever the explanation, these were not the same cute pets I'd met in the daytime. It wasn't just their appearance, their body language was different too. In that there wasn't much of any to speak of. They just sat there, on or around my belly, staring at me. Their heads barely moved, except to exchange brief glances with each other. They didn't crawl or paw, they didn't lick their lips, at least not that I could see. They were eerily silent, never making a sound. They just stayed in this semicircle of hairy shadows, blazing into my very soul with those bright lenses. I wanted to shoo them away, I wanted to move, shout, cry, grab my cell phone, and call my mom. I wanted to do something, anything, but every instinct I had told my body not to budge. I can't rationalize why. There was just a gut feeling that breaking this delicate situation by even twitching would cause these animals to react in some horrific way. They didn't really know me yet, after all. What if they were just curious? What if they felt surprised or threatened? What if I set them off and they scratched or bit me? Even if I could see well enough to defend myself, the generous boyfriend in me still wouldn't want to hurt my girlfriend's pets. It seemed like a no-win scenario, where my only chance to survive was to play by their rules. This was their world, and I was but a humble guest. For as much of the night as I can remember from then on, I stayed as still as possible and kept my eye on the cats. My hands kept the covers pulled up over my nose, perhaps as an unconscious way of trying to quiet my mouth breathing. The only means of resistance I could think of were my eyes. I figured maybe staring right back at them would protect me somehow, as if to warn them, stay where you are. I blinked only when absolutely necessary, which strained my eyes to the point that I grew paranoid as to when they might be playing tricks on me. However long this stalemate lasted, there was only one constant. Those damned cats never moved. Beyond their infrequent eye contact, they always returned their gaze to me. Eventually, the semicircle arrangement to their seating didn't even look like cats to me anymore. In the darkness, with those bright circles, they appeared like some council looking down on me, exchanging thoughts via some telepathic link, like they were deciding some kind of judgement. I swear at one point, I genuinely feared they were debating whether to eat me. It only got worse from there. Could they read my mind? How could I stop my own thoughts? I couldn't fall asleep if i slept i was dead i'd be completely at their mercy or more so than i already was i had to stay awake stay awake to stay alive i didn't want to find out what might happen otherwise i don't remember if it was a few minutes a couple hours or even longer either way it felt like an eternity but by some miracle I managed to make it to morning. When I looked around, everything was normal. The cats were their colorful selves again. Nothing creepy or malevolent. When my girlfriend and her mom came downstairs, I told them what happened, but they just chuckled as if none of this was out of the ordinary. Not to them, perhaps. And I was just exaggerating. Needless to say, I've never been more happy to leave the house of someone I was dating in my life. I told my family too, and their reaction was similar. Today I've made peace with it, and it's not like I could blame them. I know full well how silly this all sounds. Hell, I wouldn't even believe such a story. But if you'd been there, if you'd seen it, you'd understand. People can believe what they want. And maybe it was at least partially mere paranoia. Maybe it was the dark. But one thing I know, as sure as the sun will rise, is this. Those cats I saw that night were not the ones I had met during the day. I can't explain their behavior. But I know it wasn't a nightmare. I know there was no light anywhere in that darkness. And those eyes, even in my worst dreams, I could have never imagined those eyes.
1: So that's all we have time for tonight, my darlings. Remember, if you're listening on an Apple device, keep rating and reviewing the show. Until next time, pumpkins, don't have nightmares.